Hello and welcome back to episode three of Tourist of the Universe. I am Ashley Monk and I'm glad you're here. Uh, that was a really big break between episode two and today's episode three. I wasn't planning on having that big of a break. I had lots of plans on what I was going to talk about next and where I was going to take this. And then I got COVID uh, in December and it really took me out. And then uh, we moved. There's just been a lot of chaos and a lot of reflection, um, a lot of internal turmoil and change and things that have gone on. And so it has prompted me to kind of change the direction of things that I wanted to discuss next. Uh, and so today we are going to talk about past lives. Okay, so how are we going to cover this topic? Um, it's a pretty big topic. There's a chance this will end up being two episodes because there is someone that I do want to bring on uh, to have her share some of her past life um, memories and some cool stories surrounding that. Uh, but what we're going to do is first start with uh, my personal stories, as we usually do. And then from there, we'll move on into theology and how does this work with theology or a deconstructed form of theology? Um, how does it all work? So uh, on to stories. So a little bit of background before we get into story number one. Uh, in LDS theology or Mormon theology, there is this belief that uh, we lived in what's called the pre-existence before we came here, kind of as spirit um, bodies, and that in the pre-existence, um, that is where we kind of all existed together as one big, giant, happy family, and waited for our turn to come down to earth and get and gain a body. So the idea of existing before uh, we came here wasn't a foreign one to me um, when I tell you this next story. So I will hopefully be able to tell these stories in a way that it makes sense because they're kind of stories within stories as far as how I first became open to the idea of past lives being beyond just existing as a spirit before we came here. Um, the idea of actually living a life with a body prior to this life um, would something that that's something that's different than LDS theology. And so um, the stories that opened me up to that. I do have quite a few, but the first one starts with when I met my husband's grandfather. So this story takes place about 16 years ago. I had, uh, I was dating my husband. We weren't engaged or anything. We were just dating. We'd probably been dating, oh, probably less than a year, maybe six or eight months. And his grandparents were going to be in town up in uh, his great aunt's a-frame cabin in Menden, Utah, which is a part of Cache Valley. And his family and his ancestors, they settled uh, Menden, Utah, which is uh, just outside Logan. And so there's a lot of his family history that is in Menden. He's got, you know, lots and lots of ancestors buried in the cemetery in Menden. And so I was excited to go up and see, you know, a little bit about his family history and kind of that area, get to know him a little bit better. And I was excited to meet his grandparents. Um, and I had just kind of the normal anticipation that comes from meeting possibly future family. Um, so a little bit of nerves, but, but not too bad. Really, I was 
pretty excited. So when we got to the cabin, his grandmother and his great aunt were already there and we had um, a nice conversation and kind of got to know each other a little bit um, while we were waiting for his grandfather to show up. I can't remember why his grandpa wasn't there when we first got there, but um, he was, you know, going to be there fairly soon. So his grandfather pulled into the driveway and um, the door, the entryway to the cabin was on like the first floor. And then the second floor is where we were, which was the living room. And so I, when, when he opened the door, I stood up and I walked over to the top of the stairway to say hello and meet him as he came in. And so I remember him walking up the stairs. And when I first saw him, it's like I had this very intense recognition is the only way I can describe it. It's like I recognized him and knew him on a soul level. And I had never really had that happen to quite that intensity before where it kind of boggled my mind because so I had this like energy of recognition and then my, in my mind, I know you is what was in my mind. I know you. And I couldn't figure out how I knew him. Um, but I knew that I knew him and I knew that like, so I, I pondered that and I was like, I, I know I know him, but it doesn't feel like I know him because of this life. It feels like I know him from another time. Now at the time I was super Mormon. Like I, I hadn't been home from my mission all that long. I had probably been home a little more than a year, maybe. So I was still very Mormon. The idea of past lives was not one that, you know, I really thought about, but with that one, because of the intense recognition and somehow feeling and knowing, like I, I know him, but it's not because of some type of preexistence. Uh, it's not because we were all like spirits before this. I, I felt like I knew him because there was some type of life experience that we'd had before. And so uh, I pressed save on that experience be, just because of the the intensity of that knowing. I'd say it was probably a top five um, experiences that really shaped my my new view was meeting his grandfather and feeling like I knew him before. So this is where we press pause on that story to go to a story within a story. Um and I'll give you a little bit of background about me and my history with the state of Utah. Now, I grew up in Southern California in the LA area. I lived there up until I was 21 and went on my mission to Belgium, came home after my mission, and was home maybe three weeks before I moved to Utah. So I've been in Utah a long time. We've kind of, <clears throat> after after I got married, we did a brief stint in Texas, which we now refer to as the bad place, but that's a, a story for another day. But um, basically, ever since I've been in Utah, Utah has been my safe space. Um, and I have referred to it as my safe place. I just have loved living in Utah. But the first time I came to Utah was when I was probably 10 years old. And I think it was a family reunion is why we came the first time. And I remember my dad taking us to go 
and visit This is the Place Monument, which is in Salt Lake. And I remember uh, when I first went to This is the Place Monument, and we walked around the village there and the Pioneer Cemetery and just some of the activities that we did, uh, like a carriage ride, different things like that. It felt like home. I was like 10 years old. Um, it just felt like a different kind of recognition. So the recognition when I recognized um, my husband's grandfather, that was really intense. But this kind of feeling of comfort and like home, like this is like I knew the area. I was maybe 10 years old when that happened. Um, and so Utah um, is interesting enough is also where I have a lot of ancestors from my uh, great, 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 I don't know how many greats, he settled Woods Cross, Utah. Um, and then I'm also a descendant of Hiram Smith. And so there's some Smith line folks that, um, settled place, but basically I have a ton of family history in Utah also. So my husband's line set, settled, um, like the Logan Cash Valley area. And then my line settled kind of the, the Northern Davis County and Southern Davis County area and some areas into Salt Lake. That's where my ancestors come from. So here I'm like 10 years old. I've never been to Utah. My dad takes us around. Um, this is a place monument. And I'm like, hmm, this feels good. This feels like home. Like I recognized it. Now that brings up the question, did I recognize it? Did it feel like home because I'd been there before in some other life and some other time? Or did I have that feeling just because it was a good day and that that's how I felt? Or is it something else like epigenetics? Um, in the study of epigenetics, we learn that a lot of our ancestors' experiences uh, are in, a, in our DNA, and that that DNA and their experiences that are in that DNA gets passed down for as many as seven generations. Now, right now, I am technic. I think we're it's like the sixth or seventh generation after settling Utah. Um, my ancestors. So, so there is an aspect of epigenetics that we have to consider before um, we go on to the next story. Now, I am going to link these together, but this is another story within a story. And this one is um, when me and my husband, we went out on a date night and we wanted to explore somewhere where, where we hadn't explored before and kind of go somewhere in, in nature and so we decided that we would explore Cottonwood Canyon. Now, Cottonwood Canyon is in the Salt Lake area. Um, it does have quite a bit of history. The The Salt Lake Temple, um, the stone that was used to build the Salt Lake Temple, I believe, came out of Cottonwood Canyon. Um, the area in general is going to have pioneer roots. It's just what you find when you're in um, the Salt Lake area. So we're driving up the canyon, and... The only, like, I I didn't like it. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it is I didn't like it. I wasn't comfortable. Um, I had this, it, it had like this pioneer energy. And this was before I really knew much about Cottonwood Canyon too. But just as we're driving up this windy road, I'm like, man, I feel like pioneer energy. And at, at that time, like I was just getting into mediumship and I was really starting to actively pay attention to energy and what I felt in different places. And um, so we're, as we're driving up this 
road and I'm like, I don't like it. Why don't I like this? Why don't I like this energy that I'm feeling? What is this energy I'm feeling? Oh, that's pioneer energy. Why? And so I'm asking questions in, in my mind and trying to sort out why it is that I don't like this beautiful canyon that I've never been to before. Um, and and my takeaway was there was this some type of pioneer energy that wasn't wasn't good. I didn't like. Um, and so I told my husband, I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not comfortable here. I don't know why I'm just, I'm just not comfortable here. I don't like this Canyon. And so he was like, okay. And so we left and, and did other things. Um, but it was such a bothersome experience for me. And that energy that it was like a bothersome pioneer energy, uh, it, it really, I couldn't let go of that experience. So, um, part of what I do is when I have, um, experiences that I don't understand, I will dig and dig and dig and dig until I get something. I need some kind of answer, answer, resolution, um, to the personal experiences that I have. And so with, with that one, that was one of those I'm going to have to dig because it, it, it was a very unsettling feeling. So another fun fact is I have ADHD, which uh, leads me to hyperfixate, <laughs> which is part of that digging where that digging comes from. But so I decided to hyperfixate on Cottonwood Canyon and figure out why the heck I felt so weird there. And um, I there's there's groups that are like ghost hunting groups and all of these other types of groups that um, talk about the paranormal. Cause it did, it did feel like almost like a paranormal energy too. And so that's what, where I was going to dig first. Um, and, and in my paranormal digging of the Canyon, I found out, you know, there's a lot of people that have died up there in accidents. That's where they pulled the stone to build the temple. Um, that's there, I guess there's just a lot of potential paranormal answers, but none of them really felt like the right answer. Like, no, I don't think I was feeling like random tragic deaths. I don't think this was the paper mill that's haunted at the bottom of the canyon. It's, it, that's not what I was feeling. It was just unsettled pioneer energy. <laughs> and so I was looking for something that could maybe answer that specific way I was feeling. Now, you might be wondering, well, how do you know what pioneer energy feels like? Well, it's the same kind of energy that I felt like on Temple Square, which has pioneer roots and, and a very similar energy to um, walking around. This is the place monument in that village when I was 10 years old. There is a feeling that comes with pioneer stuff whenever I go and visit pioneer places. It's just an energy that is familiar. And that's what I was feeling in the canyon, but it was like, a very unsettling version of it. And so I did learn about, um, the pioneers pulling the stone out from the Canyon. And so there were pioneers there and there was pioneer activity there, but how that affected me, I, I didn't know. And, um, this was also at a time when I was starting to think more about past lives. So I started thinking about all of the experiences that I'd had, uh, not just in, in church sites and not just in places like pioneer sites in Salt Lake, but anytime there were stories of 
pioneers, um, like the, the Mormon pioneers, I had like this very emotional, familiar reaction every time anything like that was discussed or any time I would go visit some of those places. Even like when I didn't know that those places were historical sites, it carried the same kind of energy almost is how I would describe it. And so um, I was reading the book Journey of Souls, which we'll have to talk about later, um, but it does talk about past lives. Um, and so I was really starting to think a lot about that and and wonder if the reason that I had that familiarity and felt the different things that I did around those sites and discussing that history, I wondered if I had that because maybe I had a past life as a pioneer. Now, the logical side of my brain that is a little bit of a skeptic was aware of, you know, epigenetics. And I do come from genetically, I, I am an, a descendant of pioneers. So it could be epigenetics. It's just in my blood. Uh, there's also the other part where it's the power of suggestion. You know, it, am I just linking these in my mind because, you know, I'm, I'm working to find a connection and a reason for having these experiences and, and maybe there is none. So I, I also did have this bit of skepticism. And uh, at the time, I also was learning about what's called Akashic readings. So I was learning about a lot of things, but um, Akashic readings are basically when a psychic goes and accesses your past life information. It's getting a past life reading from a psychic. Now, my friend and my mentor, Kari, who I talked about in the first episode of this podcast, does Akashic record readings. So I asked her if she would give me an Akashic record reading. And I did think that she was a good option for a few reasons. One, she doesn't live in Utah. She lives in Colorado. She's never lived in Utah. She's not familiar with any of this area. Two, she's also never been Mormon. She's not familiar at all with any type of Mormon history, Mormon pioneers, anything associated with this pioneer energy that I'm talking about. She would be completely unfamiliar with. She doesn't know about it. And I actually asked her if she knew about any type of um, pioneer history. She didn't. She didn't know anything about it. So I figured if I was going to get an answer, that would be a good option to explore and get an answer. So we started with this Akashic reading. And the first thing that she said was that she saw me in New York. Um, and I was younger. And I was married to a man who was a little bit older than me. And we were, so we were somewhere in the New York area, um, fairly comfortable in our, um, in our home and how we lived. We weren't struggling. We had a pretty decent life. Um, and then something, um, that my husband was drawn to in that life caused us to leave everything behind and go in a wagon train across the West. And she said that she saw us in wagons crossing over West and that we were in this group that felt very tight knit, that there were a lot of others who were also doing the same thing. Uh, and that it felt like a significant, um, move across the West. 
Now, a little bit of Mormon history. Um, Mormonism started in New York. Uh, that's where Joseph Smith uh, was born and raised. Joseph Smith is the founder of Mormonism. And so that's where Mormon Mormonism begins, is in Palmyra, New York. Now, um, the other part of it is that eventually Mormons did end up leaving the New York area and moving in wagon trains and handcarts uh, across the plains and out west. So having somebody that doesn't know anything about Mormon history tell me details like that, um, that was a little bit of a, a holy crap moment for me. And I kept listening. Um, and she said that uh, I did make it to this place where there were cottonwood trees. And, um, like we got to our destination, I made it to that destination. I was still fairly young. She said, um, she didn't think that I was any more than like 24 or 25 years old. Uh, and that when we got to the place with cottonwood trees, um, I died. So, and that it wasn't long after we'd gotten there that I died. So basically I'd left everything that I loved and was comfortable with to cross the plains only to die when I got there. Um, <clears throat> and the interesting thing, though, that stuck out to me was Cottonwood Trees and Cottonwood Canyon because Cottonwood Canyon gets its name because of Cottonwood Trees. That was, you know, another holy crap moment for me. Um, some of the other things that she mentioned uh, in that reading were um, that when when we were in New York, um, that I loved it there, and that I actually didn't want to cross the plains, and I was only doing it because I was supporting my husband, and I was submissive, and I hadn't yet learned how to find my voice and how to speak up, and that uh, I had a pattern of several lives of doing the same thing, of not being able to use my voice or not being allowed to or being forced to be quiet, just lots of themes of being forced into being quiet or choosing to submit uh, for either my safety or the safety of my children or because I hadn't yet learned or I wasn't aware, just lots of those themes, which also made a lot of sense for the, I would say, the first 20 years of my life um, in this life and kind of learning to to break some habits. Now, it was quite a long reading there it went into a lot of details about parallels between this life and that life but the main takeaway for me was it was validation if this person who knew absolutely nothing about mormon history and mormon pioneers or utah or cottonwood trees um is telling me that the last life that or the pertinent life that she saw was me as a pioneer starting in New York, crossing the plains and dying somewhere with cottonwood trees, it, it was validation that the feelings that I was feeling when I would go to places like Cottonwood Canyon, Temple Square area, this is the place monument, all of those pioneer heritage places where it felt familiar, it felt like, you know, home or family or all of those different feelings. Like maybe I knew that because my soul knows it, uh, because I had some type of past life experience there. So this reading ended with me being um, very curious uh, about additional past life information, but 
also really validated a lot of the things that I'd felt in such a way that allowed me to trust myself more. And I then started to re-examine some of my other experiences that I had had, including the experience of recognizing my husband's grandfather the first time that we met. And so that got um, the ball rolling on me getting to the bottom of that story. Which, by the way, getting to the bottom of that story really, like, blew my mind. Um, but we'll get there. So uh, I forgot to ask Kari in that reading why um, I recognized my husband's grandfather. I just forgot. But after um, getting off the phone with her and, and continuing to kind of explore my previous experiences uh, with a different set of eyes, I guess you can say, um, I, I wanted to know more about why I recognized my husband's grandfather. Now, I had come to the conclusion myself, like I felt like he probably um, was part of my past life in the pioneer life is how I felt. Um, but I did want to have someone else confirm that for me. And so I did get another Akashic reading with my friend Denise. So different person, someone also who isn't familiar with Utah. She lives in Maine. Um, she's not Mormon. She's not familiar with any type of Mormon history at all. Um, and so I figured, you know, she'd be a good one to go to about that. And so I asked her, why did I know, or, or why did I recognize my husband's grandfather the first time I met him? And so right away she says that, or she said, she said that we, she saw us in an area in Ohio and that there was some type of ceremony happening at this area in Ohio. And then she started making hand motions. And um, the hand motions that she was making are the same hand motions that are used in the LDS temple during sealing ceremonies. Which totally blew my mind. Um, as she'd never been through a Mormon temple. And those hand symbols are are considered to be so sacred that you can't share them. So, um, I mean, people can probably go and look them up on YouTube, but that's not, you know, what she did. So, um, she started making these hand motions, the same hand motions that, that are made during the sealing ceremony. When you sit across from the altar, um, whether it's from your family or your spouse, you join hands in this particular way, um, and that's part of the ceremony. And that is the motions that she was doing with her hands. And so back to Mormon history, um, is in Ohio and in the middle of this crossing the plains business that was happening with Mormon history, they built a temple in Kirtland, Ohio, and they practiced sealing you know, marriages where you seal, uh, you're basically promised to your spouse for eternity and you, you're sealed to family. So you're, you can be sealed to children. You can be sealed to, um, parents, spouses, everybody kind of joined together and promised to be together forever is the idea behind sealing. And in that, um, process and in that ceremony, there's hand motions that are made, which 
part of me is like, I could just share what they, what they are and what they're called because I'm not, um, I don't participate in it anymore, but I do want to be respectful for people that are still um, very active in, in the LDS church. Uh, so I'm not going to go into more detail other than that. If you want to look you know, on YouTube, on YouTube or uh, other places, you're welcome to. But uh, for me, it was crazy <laughs> to see somebody who knew absolutely nothing about Mormonism yet again pull up a life or information pertinent to the trek, you know, out west and that stopping in the middle of Kirtland, Ohio and the sealing ceremony. So it validated my feelings that I likely knew him in that life and that it had something to do with us being family um, in that past life. Now, the other interesting thing is with um, with church history, uh, it ended up that Mormons did leave Kirtland, Ohio, and continue out west until they got to Salt Lake. So um, she said uh, that, you know, she saw the ceremony happening in Ohio, but then shortly afterwards, she saw me dying and that there was something really tragic about it, that my husband's grandfather was also like a part of this tragedy or affected by this tragedy of my death. Um, and then that was it. That's kind of all she said about it. But it was mind-blowing for me for a lot, <laughs> a lot of reasons and, and very validating. And it just felt like, yeah, that, that's right. I feel like that's right. I also thought it was interesting that Denise, her story that she said lined up with what Kari had said, and neither one of them know each other. It's They're total strangers to each other. They know me, but, you know, they didn't know that part of my history. I hadn't talked about, you know, past life thoughts, beliefs, or anything like that. I'd simply asked them to tell me, you know, what they saw. So, for me, that was very validating that past life um, experiences and memories are legitimate. Um, that kind of solidified a lot of that for me. So that brings us to the point where we talk about the how and the why. Why do we live past lives? How do we live past lives? Why is it important to understand past lives? How do we use past life memories, if you have them, to uh, help you in this life? Does it matter if you have past life memories? There's a lot of questions that come up with the idea of being able to live multiple lives. To get to the bottom of the idea of the how, we do have to address the idea of the body and its significance. Um, in LDS doctrine and theology, there's the idea that the spirit and the body together is what makes the soul and that they are designed to be uh, eternal together. So we, we live in the pre-existence as spirits. We come to earth and gain a body. We die and our spirit leaves our body. And then Jesus comes back and there's a resurrection. And that's when our spirit and our body is united again in eternal, perfect glory. That's the basis for LDS theology. Uh, that is inconsistent 
with what I've seen in the readings that I do and in readings that I've gotten. So my idea of the significance of the body is, is different than, than what I originally was taught. And that's part of deconstruction. I understand that's one of the things that you know some people will agree with, some people won't. But as far as how this works and how I have reasoned it out um, and studied it out, this is the conclusions that I have come to. Um, and they're fairly consistent with, um, with others as well. So the, the first one, though, is that it is not that the, the spirit is the soul and the body is not as important as we think it is. So as far as consistencies that I've seen with um, the mediumship readings that I've done and the things that I've read, um, it's the soul that learns the lesson, not the body. The body facilitates the learning of the lesson, but it's the soul that's really doing the seeking. Um, the soul is what remembers the lesson and kind of carries that from life to life, or really the soul carries the lesson eternally. Um, the soul is what decides the experiences. So when it comes to reincarnation, a lot of times I'll hear people say like, oh, but I don't want to live this life again. I don't want to do this again. Or there's some aspect of life they don't want to do over. Turns out you don't have to. <laughs> uh, there's not any type of requirement to reincarnate, it seems. It seems like it is all choice and that the soul has complete and total um control over that decision. So there seems to be some aspect where we decide the type of experience that we want to have in this life. Um, now, our bodies do facilitate that learning. It, and as far as how, it, it seems to be that souls learn faster when they have a body, and it just goes a little bit slower without it. Um, there's an aspect of ancestral healing that comes through where let's say somebody wants to learn compassion in this life and so that they're you know going through therapy or they have some type of uh, thing going on in their life that's helping teach them compassion and I'll do a reading for this person and it'll come through that oh yeah you're you know this lesson that you're learning is compassion and they'll have like some ancestor that's observing them as they're learning this process and there's like this energetic bounce back where as the person that has a body and is learning this experience, this lesson and going through this experience in this life um, is being observed by someone without a body. And there's this energetic bounce back where the, the person that is observing can also learn the lesson. It's just a slower process and it is dependent on someone else with the body learning that lesson. So there, there is some aspect in that bodies help learn, help souls learn what they want to learn faster. Um, and maybe even more intense. Um, but it is all our choice. So nothing is forced. Now with the idea of reincarnation, this is also why living multiple lives kind of forced me to look at my beliefs in God and how God works uh, my beliefs in Jesus and how Jesus works. And if there is any type of resurrection, I mean, every single belief that I held um, was had to be addressed. If I believe in past lives, then that affects everything, including the idea that I don't have control or that it's not up to me or that it's all up to God. Um, 
the consistency also that I find is that we are the ones that are in control. And that is not, that it's not up to any type of divine monarch in the sky who we have to subject our will to. I just haven't seen that. There does also seem to be a theme of eternal progression in that the reason that we live um, multiple lives is because we want to continue learning and progressing and you just can't learn everything there is to learn in one life. And there's so many different variables that happen in each life that we live that it, it would just not be possible to learn all of the things that our souls want to learn through just living one life. And so there does seem to be this aspect of souls being eternal, deciding that, okay, they're ready to progress, they're ready to learn something new, so they come down into this new body which belongs to the earth, which is earthly and subject to laws of nature and all of the things that come with the human condition. They, they're they here to learn what they want to learn, and then the body dies, they go back up, they review what they learn, they chill out for a bit, everybody's kind of different what they do afterwards. Um... And then if they want to come down again and live another life to learn something else, or if, you know, they they keep coming down to learn a lesson and not learning it, you know, maybe this is the life where they're going to learn it, which brings us to the aspect of when I was talking about how Kari um, told me about lives that I'd lived where I hadn't um, learned to use my voice and I was submissive. And I've, I've had other readings that are very consistent with that where, you know, some of the other people that I was taking classes from did readings for me and and told me that, you know, wow, you were really dogmatic in your last lives or you, you, you were silent or submissive. There's just this constant theme of me not using my voice. Now, without going into the entire history of my first 20 something years, um, a lot of it, had to do with me being submissive and a and a people pleaser and coming out of that and learning to use my voice and speak up. Um, if you asked me what my personality type was when I was 18, I would have probably told you I was a peacemaker and my, you know, personality color was probably white for peace and I, I didn't like to make waves. I didn't like to make Uh, people uncomfortable. And now, if uh, I have no problem being uncomfortable, (laughs) and I have no problem making waves, and I have no problem speaking up, it was a hell of a process to get there, though. And there have been a lot of life experiences that I've had that have helped me kind of wake that part of myself up. So if that's a lesson that I'm supposed to be learning through all of these lives, I feel like I'm really doing a good job this time. With, with finding my voice, even just with like going and and leaving the religion of my youth and going and doing things that I was told were <laughs> of the devil, like mediumship and, and psychic work, those are all things that I was warned to not do. And those are where I found the most peace and understanding and joy in my life and where I've learned um, what my voice sounds like. And um, so... I can see the consistency of that lesson and why I've come back multiple times. 
Um, but again, do we have to? I don't think we have to, but we can. One of the shows that really resonated is probably pretty accurate with experience was um, the show The Good Place and how at the end, you know, everybody might get kind of bored living in eternity. I mean, what do you do for eternity? And I can see how people would get bored of um, maintaining a position or maintaining a certain level of understanding and want to go down and experience something else and learn and grow and expand more. Our souls are designed for growth. Um, They are designed for expansion. We aren't designed to stay, stay in the same boxes forever. I do feel like it's a natural part of our souls to want and expect more for ourselves. And so one of the ways that we can do that is through coming back and continuing to learn lessons as long as we want to continue to do that. Um, Now, there's a whole lot more that goes into unpacking um, multiple lives and how that affects beliefs and theology. And as far as time goes, uh, we're probably going to save that for the second episode Um, because I do want to bring uh, a friend on and have her you know, talk about some of her experiences and then the idea behind, you know, why do we come back multiple times? And, you know, even it, what happens when, you know, people die early or if someone dies by suicide? I mean, there's so many aspects of um, multiple lives that come up for people. And that's just a whole another podcast worth of um, stories and, and digging. So, um, I am actually going to close this one now. Also the, the fighter jets, we're not too far from the air force base and the jets are coming out and it's going to sound funny. And then I've got kids coming home from school. So I'm going to actually end this here, um, with, um, the understanding though, that, that I'm going to have an episode after this that continues this conversation. So in the meantime, if you have questions that you want answered um, about past lives, like things that you've wondered about or heard, please, please feel free to send them to me. Um, you can contact me via Instagram. My handle is postmormonmystic. You can contact me via email, which is um, postmormonmystic at gmail.com. Um, I do want to know what you want to know about it so that we can address it in the next episode. So I will finish up by saying that the more I learn about this, the more open I am to learning about things that maybe contradict, you know, what I'd always been taught, the more amazing the universe becomes. Um, The universe is amazing. There are just incredible things that are there to be discovered. And this is one of them. And so I'd encourage you to be open, to dig, to ask questions, and learn as much as you can, and feel out what feels right for you. And as always, if it doesn't feel right for you, and you don't agree with it, then toss it to the side. Um, At the end of the day, I don't think it really matters 
if you believe in past lives or not. You can have a completely fulfilling, wonderful life without believing in it. So I'll just leave it at that. Thanks for being here. I appreciate everybody that comes to listen and um, hear my voice that I'm learning to use and share in this life. And um, until next time, bye-bye.